Welcome to Always Andersonville, the podcast. I'm Laura. And I'm Joelle. Today, we are joined by David Serda, Artistic Director of Helena Handbag Productions. Helena Handbag Productions is known for their hilarious theatrical parodies, including The Golden Girls, The Lost Episodes, now showing Volume 3 at Mary's Attic at 5400 North Clark. Welcome, David. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? We're excellent. We're back in studio after sort of a hiatus from uh, recording during Midsummer Fest month. Needed so. a break. Uh, yeah. <laughs> or we just had a backlog of episodes, which is more accurate. Oh, okay. <laughs> we did, and we needed a little bit yeah, of a break. Yeah, we needed to catch our breaths a little bit, but we're back in action. Um, so we kind of like to start by you telling us a bit about yourself and your background, and how did you get into the theater industry? Well, I am from Northwest Indiana, uh, and I moved to Chicago many, many, many moons ago, uh, like God. 38 years ago god (laughs) (laughs) and um i didn't start uh theater until kind of later in life until my mid-30s and i kind of when i moved to the city i worked in a lot of nightclubs and i was a big part of like the the new wave punk rock underground scene and i worked in bars like the limelight and paradise chicago and that sort of thing and so i kind of had a wake up call come to Jesus moment and I, you, know, you get to that point like what are you going to do with your life you know and um, and I was I was just very fortunate you know because I partied a lot let's just say that and um, I cleaned up a little started changing my habits and I realized I like to write and, uh, you know, I didn't go to college. I don't have a theater background. I, um, and I just got involved with a group of people, Sweetback Productions, which was in Andersonville about 25 years ago. It's where the Jimmy John's is now, the same building. It was a storefront theater. And Kelly Anchors got me started. Um, you know, I just played bit parts. And then I had ideas for shows. And, like, the first big hit I wrote was a parody of the movie Carrie. Mm. It's called Scary, the musical. Mm-hmm. And it ran for about 18 months late night oh, wow. in Andersonville. And and that's how I get started. And then by then I was hooked and I write and I perform and I just do all sorts of things, you know. Just look at me, look at me. <laughs> <laughs> what was that production like? What year was that? 19, I think it was 1998, 1999, maybe 1998, I think. And it was really fun because the stage was as big as a dining room table, sort of. And it's it seated about 50, 60 people. And uh, our dressing room was in the basement. So we had to do entrances. We had to crawl through a cellar door from the outside. And we were... It was a lot of drag. And Mm -hmm. so we were playing the high school girls and uh, we're like in panties and bras and heels. and (laughs) Climbing these ladders. (laughs) Climbing ladders outside and the police would go by in the alley and pretty soon they got used to us. They were like, what are you guys doing over there? And then they go, we're just in panties and bras climbing (laughs) into a cellar. What are you doing? Um, And it was just, it it clicked. Chris Jones of the Tribune, he was a, a freelance reporter at the time doing theater and he really liked it and he wrote some nice things about it and started following me and um like li- like literally following like, me stalking me 
<laughs> yeah, I wish it now 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 I could, he doesn't give me the time of day, but uh, he wrote a, a lot of nice things about me, and we were packed every night, you know, whenever we did the show, and it was re- it was really a good training ground because you do everything in fringe theater from writing, performing, cleaning, doing the laundry, you know, anything that has to be done, you have to do, you know, and you do it for free most of the time, so you have to really love it to do it, you know, people think it's you know oh i could do that and like, oh, i don't know if you'd want to waste your time you've got to really love it you know it's like a passion would you ever do a revival of that we did a revival did of it at mary's attic about six years ago and now they have a new carrie musical and so i got a cease and desist because my musical was very much like the Carrie musical they wrote after because i based it on the movie right yeah know, the movie is i love the film and um, Helena Handbag, we do a lot of shows about misfits and disenfranchised people and people, you know, people think it's, you know, call it LGBTQ theater, but it's really just for anybody that feels like they didn't fit in, you know. And um, so I focused on the movie and made, you know, things in the movie that I found were funny. And it turns out they... It was like scene for scene when I saw the play. I'm like, oh, my God. Did they see my version? (laughs) Maybe. So I got a cease and desist. That doesn't mean we'll never do it again. Did someone play the mother? Yes. Yes. Uh, We had men and women playing the mother. Uh, And we had the mother, Carrie, the mean girls in high school, Miss Collins, the Betty Buckley character, who was my favorite. And um, just, you know, for Carrie, that whole High school can be so traumatic. And so it was, traumatic. It was traumatic for me because I grew up in the 70s. And I went to high school in the 70s and it wasn't like it in is In Northwest now. Indiana. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't like, oh, you, we accept you for who you are. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I kind of wish I had telekinetic powers and could ruin the prom like Carrie. I mean, who wouldn't want <laughs> right. to do that? So, yeah. And I think the passion showed through you know, and people loved it i was very fortunate well david helena handbag was formed in march of 2002 can you share more about the company's beginning um sure we you know like i said i was working with sweetback productions with with kelly anchors and it just got to the point where we were doing the birds a play at burger park and we did it in a coach house on the lake because we wanted it to be like bodega bay and Kelly thought of that, you know, had that idea to do it there. And it was brilliant. And, you know, I was, I wrote it and me and Pauline Pang wrote it. And it just got to the point where I wanted to do things a certain way and she wanted to do things a certain way. And so we kind of, we had a kind of a messy divorce and it was in the Chicago Reader and like a big article about it, me taking, because I, I left the company and a lot of the people from Sweetback um, came with me. They had their, you know, uh, their own freedom of choice. And so the first thing I did was, you know, we decided what are we going to do? And I thought, well, I've always wanted to do a musical parody of the Poseidon Adventure, an old film from 1972. And um, we did it on a very, very tight budget and just very lucky. It was a big hit. Mm -hmm. It ran for eight months and we took it to the New York International Fringe Festival and it gave us the money to start 
a company. Mm-hmm. And uh, we took our not-for-profit status with us because we had created it at Sweetback. And a lot of, some of the core members from that 17 years ago are still part of part Helen of Helen Hand. Handbag. Yeah. Wow. And it won Best Ensemble Award, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, in the New York International Fringe Festival. And it was the most attended show of that year, which was, I think, 2003. Uh, and it, it was just, it was a lot. You know, like, wow, I this is easy. You know, you just write a show and it becomes a hit and it runs a long time. And I talked to, like, producers about taking it to New York and this and that. And that kind of just, you know, people stop returning calls and this and that. And that's how I learned, like, kind of the, the other side of the theater world where... It was, you know, I felt bad for a while, but, you know, I persisted on and Mm -hmm. just because I love it, you know, and a lot and I get a lot of support from uh, Chicago fans, our fan base and and the the press as well. And have you revived Poseidon? Yeah, I feel like it was more recent. Yeah, we just did it in March. Okay. In April. And we did it at the Edge Theater in Edgewater. Because we wanted a, it's a big show, right. and the Edge has um, a, a big space. stage, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and they have like fly space where you could do all sorts of effects, and it was really fun, and it was really fun to revisit that with a bigger budget. Mm-hmm. We've revived it twice, actually, so the Edge was the third time we did it. Very cool. Um, well, I know you touched on this before, but uh, you have multiple roles at Hell in a Handbag, including artistic director, resident playwright, and actor. Is there any internal tension that you ever feel between all of the hats you wear? Do you listen to yourself or do you have a hard time telling yourself what to do? Um, Yeah, well, I used to, yeah, you do. You get resentment. You feel like the little red hen, you know, who everybody wants. Nobody wants to help bake the bread, but they want to eat it. And um, I just got to a point where I resigned myself to, well, I need to get, make a salary, you know, and I need to, I need to, my I have I need to know my worth and I'm doing this this and this and this is the way it's going to be if that's the way it's going to be then I will take a salary now it's now I don't I'm not resentful sometimes it is overwhelming though mm-hmm. and I do have help and we <laughs> and we have people you know we have people that we pay people that we that volunteer uh it's it's difficult when you're small like us to do what other theater companies do. And I think maybe one of the reasons we don't have a space why we're itinerant, because that's a whole other thing, maintaining a space and, and, and whatnot, you know, it's, it's a lot of work, but it's my only job now. So I don't mind doing it at all. And as an itinerant th- theater, ha- um, you know, do you have a favorite place to perform? Ooh, um, we like Mary's attic a lot. Because our fans love it. Our fan base is very much the North Side uh, and very much like Andersonville and Edgewater. And, uh, you know, we have people just like going to Andersonville. There's so many great restaurants. We, we recommend a lot of restaurants to people. Um, of course, they go to Mary's. But um, I people always ask me, where to go to eat and I said well what are you in the mood for because I know all the restaurants yeah. a lot of the owners uh, know us and they contribute to our benefits and 
you know, we're really glad to bring all that business into Andersonville because I've lived in Andersonville for on the outer edges uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, of Andersonville for 25 years. Um, I discovered their neighborhood and I was like, I love this place. You know, it's chill and neighborly, but it can be fun when it wants to be. You know, you -hmm. can put on your Andersonville party hat when when you want to or you just want to be relaxed and you know, I live on a block with trees and, and it feels like a little town on my block. So right. that's that's the advantage of mm-hmm. the neighborhood. I love the neighborhood feel of it. Yeah, you get both, you know, yeah, city you feel plus neighborhood feel and it's it's great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when I was young, I lived in Lakeview because I wanted to go out and party. And then after a while, I was like, Ugh, I, <laughs> this is too, I felt like I had to like get dressed up to go to the grocery store because, you know, I was single. And sure. <laughs> you know, you can meet you know. somebody. Yeah, of course. Right. Well, Hel- Helena Handbag has two shows running now, The Golden Girls, The Lost Episodes, Volume 3, and The Drag Seed. They're both showing at Mary's Attic uh, from now until the end of August. How do the ideas for the shows like these come to you, and what can we expect from them? Well, I try to think of what the audience wants to see. Um, like, would I like this? Would this interest me? And the Golden Girls is something that people have been mentioning to me for a while. And I'm a fan of the Golden Girls. I'm not quite the super fan that some people think I am. But um, we started the Golden Girls two and a half years ago, and it was a huge success. And a lot of company, there, there's a lot of Golden Girls shows around the country. In New York has one, and Miami and L.A. And the difference with our show is that our show is original scripts. Uh, I would not be interested in just reading. A, One of those a, yeah, yeah, TV scripts. Yeah. For me, that's like, well, what's anybody could do that. Um, and so we put the Golden Girls in situations where wouldn't it be funny if Rose and Dorothy and Blanche went to a leather club or <laughs> or wouldn't it be funny if one of them, you know, went on a blind date with some with a convicted murderer or something like that right and as progressive as the show was back then like they wouldn't be going to leather clubs and, right right, right. They, they might i don't know <laughs> but um and, and and plus it's played by men right which is people love that and people we get the the crowd is like grandmothers and uh, it's racially diverse they uh, age you know all ages Sunday we had on Pride Day we had a grandmother with her teenage grandsons because they watched the show together and they they you know wanted to experience it together it was really touching I we saw them in the audience and we're like oh boy are they gonna do they think this is just a regular straight wholesome parody because you know we <laughs> We, yeah, we use language in sexual situations because it's funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but they loved it. And um, we it was two and a half years strong. And Mary's is a great place for the Golden Girls. We've done it other places and it's been successful as well. But um, people just really identify with the show. They watched it with their grandmothers and, and whatnot. And so we can, we're doing it continuously, but we also want to do new things. And the drag seed... The idea for it came when we wanted to do The Bad Seed. And The Bad Seed, I don't know if you know what it is. It's a classic play and a film about a sociopathic little girl 
who looks perfect on the outside, but she really is a murderer and she kills her <laughs> classmate. She oh kills boy. her classmate for a penmanship medal. And so we tried to get the rights for that. And in, for, in the interest of full disclosure, I told the, the publishers that, well, we want men to play some of the roles. And they were like, oh, no, the authors want to prove that, even though every production you Google has a drag queen playing it because it's just it's an over-the-top show. Mm-hmm. So I was just thought, well, I'll write my own version, had a um, parody of it. And in mine, it's a, a little boy who is a drag queen. Okay. And he goes to a very progressive school and they have a drag pageant and he gets second place. And he doesn't like that. And so instead of a penmanship medal, he he goes homicidal over a crown. Uh, and so I mean, who wouldn't? Right. right. I mean, that feels more in line with everything right now, right? So <laughs> who wouldn't want to see a homicidal yeah. drag queen child? <laughs> I would. I would I if I saw that I go well, that looks interesting. Mm-hmm. But it's not played by a child, correct? No. How old's your actor playing the... No, Christopher Patrol. Okay. And he is um, he's an actor in our company. He's a little guy, young. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he also is, uh, does a lot of drag around the city as Kali, Kali Mari. <laughs> and, um, he, and he does shows at The yeah. Call. He hosts okay. the show at The Call. And um, so he plays Carson. That's the... the the non-gender binary, non-binary gender name that we go by. And um, Ed Jones, who is was one of the founding members of the company, plays the mother. Uh, and it's about crowns, but it's also about pronouns and the school. And it's about when I heard about drag queen, children drag queens, I was really fascinated about them and their parents because that's a thing now. <laughs> and... Um, I said, I just thought, well, what if it went a little too far? What if, you know, people want their child to grow up expressing themselves and be who they are? And I think that is wonderful. But I also see some of these drag queens on like drag race. And I don't think a lot of their language is or, or behavior is appropriate for children. They're very sexual. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and I just, maybe I think that because I'm older, also, I'm an uncle of a lot of, Kids. I have a lot of nieces and nephews. And so I just think, well, what if that child was like that? You know, where do you draw the line? And and then so we have um myself, I'm the I'm the nosy upstairs former drag queen neighbor who's just fallen in love with little Carson. And um we have we have a wonderful cast. Kelly Anchors from Sweetback, who company i used to be and she's in this show we we have since made up oh yeah okay good very good friends and (laughs) um, it's great cheryl snodgrass directs it she directed the birds and she directed um lots of other things and she's been an actor in shows and Mm -hmm. it's funny but it's also scary and clever even though i wrote it i'll say it (laughs) it's clever okay (laughs) <laughs> and important it sounds like important social commentary for yeah. everyone right now. We, yeah, and we're not interested in just doing stupid stupid stuff. There's always a message. Mm-hmm. Always a social commentary. Does the character then go by they them pronouns? They do. They do, and pronouns are very important to Carson. And if you don't use the right pronoun, something bad might happen to oh, you. Oh boy. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, we'll have to check that out. Uh, and we've all Duh. been there where you're like, like, I'm sorry, you know, and you try to explain to people like, I'm 90,000 years old, okay? I, I've got to get used to this. And some, mm-hmm. some people don't care and don't want to hear your explanation. And, and I understand. I understand both sides. As a writer, it's my job to make fun of everybody, not just, you know, I'm not attacking one group or the other. I'm just exposing the silliness in our society now. And with Golden Girls, you play Dorothy. Oh, yes. I am. I play Dorothy. I'm kind of a Dorothy in real life. So, <laughs> she was so Dorothy's been your role the whole time, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. I love Dorothy because she's just so, she's she a just, truth teller. She tells it how it is. That's right. That's and important. And she's funny at the same time. So funny. Yeah. I like learned a lot of my, I got a lot of my humor from The Simpsons and The Golden Girls. Mm-hmm. So, the, you know, well, that, those, those are the best. They raised me. So <laughs> yeah. the shows raised me. So Yeah. Yeah, Thirty Rock's pretty good too. Like yeah, as an adult, but those weren't out when we were adults. No, so. yeah. And you've had a series. My ring. I know you can cut that out. It just keeps clinging on the desk. But anyway, yes, you're married, Joelle. <laughs> we know. Go uh, <laughs> rub it in. Um, I was gonna say you've had other actors though rotate as the other Golden Girls. Correct? I have Michael yeah. Rashid is Dorothy, been Dorothy before. Uh, and we have, you know, we have a new Sophia, uh, Ryan Oates, and he's amazing. And Ed Jones plays Rose. And I think he's sometimes he out Betty White's Betty White. Oh, wow. Because he's just he's just puts the spin on Ed's kind of Ed's brilliant. He's a really funny actor. And, um, you know, we we have I mean, handbag is a family. We have people who have been in the theater in the company for years and years um, people write for us. They, it gives them a chance to explore different things. We've had a lot of people make amazing gender discoveries and sexuality discoveries working with handbag um, because it's a it's like the island of misfit toys. You can be go there and be yourself as long as you have a good work ethic, work ethic, and you're a good person. Mm-hmm. You know that's the way it's always been. I don't care what you do, who you are. Yeah, I mean, that's amazing that you can provide such a safe space for people to, to yeah. come out. And- yeah, a safe space, but also with camp and parody, mm-hmm. you have to have a cutting edge and a certain sensibility. It's not for everybody, and if you're too sensitive or too this or too that, then it's not for you because you have to be able to go there, you know, and you have to be able to laugh at yourself. Well, in 2016, you were included into the Chicago LGBT Hall of Fame because of your dedication to the art of camp and parody on stage, as well as multiple donations to numerous Chicago LGBT nonprofits. Can you tell us more about receiving this honor? Oh, it was a big surprise. Uh, It was wonderful. Um, And, you know, the camp thing I get because it was camp is a uniquely gay art form. It started, I think it started as sort of a secret language uh, to each other, just wink and a nod and a sense of humor. And it's very self-deprecating sometimes and very, it's like our own thing, you know. Uh, and then people like Mae West and Beth Midler sort of appropriated it in, in a good way. Um, 
And so it's just something I've always been. And I was just talking to my our publicist and ensemble member David Rosenberg. I, I don't. I think it. You have a camp sensibility, or you don't, because some you may not like those kinds of shows or get it, and that's fine. But those who get it really get it. When you love it, you really love it. And for as far as um, giving back the community, I just feel like that's our responsibility as a member of the community. We we're in a situation where we have a room full of wonderful people who are in a great mood because they're laughing so much. So we use that as an opportunity to collect for various organizations, whether it be Season of Concern or Howard Brown. or Every year we do something called Hams for Ham. And um, we collect during the Christmas shows for Lori Cannon uh, and the Grocery Land, the, the Edgewater Food Pantry that provides uh, nutritional counseling and food for uh, pe- people with HIV lower income people and we've because of our generous audiences and we're in our fifth year i think uh, maybe we're in a sixth year and we've raised like over five thousand dollars every year and that provides food for the community and it stays in our community where we perform so we can give back to those people and we try to choose organizations that are gonna help people in our community um and we've raised about 80 or 90 thousand dollars it's incredible and so and it's a it's so easy all you do is ask people and when you ask people and they know it's genuine they will give you a lot of money they'll give you like 20 40 bucks that when they leave and they just put it in a bucket and we gather it and we give it to the organizations and we're really happy to do it you know because it's our job to help each other you know it's just part of being a member of civilization i think you know and i I wonder why more people don't do it you know a lot of the theater community has always been very good Mm -hmm. but um i just try and you know you see in andersonville you see people who need help and you know, every everybody around here is pretty good, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I see people always talking to all the people and helping them or buying them meals and that sort of thing. You know, because let's face it, it's not cheap to live in Andersonville, and so people here are pretty lucky to live around here and have the kind of the lives they do. And I think just people need to remember that. Absolutely. <laughs> You're not going to edit that part. Of no, it. we'll keep that in. Absolutely. <laughs> that's, our, that's our quote. I know. Um, I was just thinking where we go from there, but um, can you tell us or can you share with us a little bit about what's next for Helena Handbag after August? Yeah. Do we officially jump into your next season then or do you kind of run more? We're still running our first. This is our, we start our seasons at the beginning of the year. Okay. So calendar. Based. So yeah, we are excited. We're um, I'm working on facts of life. Ooh. Satan School for Girls. Oh, David and I did see something about that. We saw something about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're excited. Yeah, a lot of people are. It's got generated a lot of buzz, and we have auditions for it next week, and they're really filling up. Uh, and it's basically, it's a musical, and it's the facts of life, uh, but it turns out that it's really a secret satanic cult, and it's 
I like to mash things up, and it's the facts of life and these old made-for-TV movies I loved when I was a kid, Satan's School for Girls, and another one called The Initiation of Sarah, which is, it's on Amazon Prime. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and it's about this girl who goes to college with her gorgeous sister. It's sort of a Carrie ripoff. She goes to college with her gorgeous sister. Uh, and the girls, they try to get into the popular sorority, but only her gorgeous sister can get into it. So she ends up in the misfit sorority. And the the popular sorority has like Morgan Fairchild and <laughs> Morgan Brittany in it. And they're really mean. And Shelly Winters is the weird house mother and it's just it's hilarious is this gonna um, come out around halloween yeah by chance yeah okay. it's gonna open uh, towards the end of september okay and it's gonna run through halloween and it's gonna be a mary's attic and it's gonna be live music and okay yeah we so. always we're always pushing the boundaries with mary's because when we first started there the stage is tiny and i got them to expand the stage and we've added an extension to it and they're very nice to us. They they let us store things there. And, you know, Brandon and Ashley are very supportive of the arts. And, and the staff there is very cool, too. Yeah. They, they, they help us a lot. And sometimes I know we're a pain in the butt. Well, now we've reached the part of our show where we ask our guests which Andersonville business they would like to trade places with for a day. And it seems like you're a fan of lots of things in Andersonville. So this might be a hard choice for you. It is. Um... I like foresighted a lot. Uh, I know the owner, Todd, and he is, I just love his aesthetic. And he picks the greatest, like, where do you find these things? You know, these it's a combination of new and vintage. Uh, and, and, you know, I'll buy the weirdest things there. And my partner's like, what is this? You know, <laughs> I bought, I got this, like, old hair hairdresser hairstyle portrait that they used to put in the windows of salons like and it's like this really not attractive woman with <laughs> with a buffant but it just right? spoke to me you know and so i like that because i just love that place because i can shop in there for hours and it always changes and there's yeah. always new stuff to look at yeah he's really good at that too and he's got a he's just got a good sense and he's super he knows how to do everything yeah. You know? Many of our business owners we find do. Uh, well, you've got to be, right? right? Yeah. And that's like with us, with Helena yeah. Handbag. You have no choice. You have to learn how to do this, you right. know? Yeah, and something, it, it's always new there. Like every time you go there and the cards are amazing. And, yeah. yeah. I also love Kopi. I love going mm -hmm. to Kopi and, you know, just because it's so funky and just, there's just, you know, and I, I'd like businesses like Kopi to stick, stick around. around. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, David, for joining us today. And thank you for listening to Always Andersonville, the podcast. For more information about Helena Handbag, please visit handbagproductions.org. Show notes on today's episode can be found at andersonville.org. Always Andersonville, the podcast is produced by the Andersonville Chamber of Commerce. Find episodes streaming weekly on iTunes and Podbean with show notes available at andersonville.org. This episode is brought to you by the Swedish American Museum, currently enrolling Travel the World Summer Camp for ages 6 through 11. Come and explore the food, dance, folk arts, and cultural identities of a different country each day. Find out more information at swedishamericanmuseum.org.